This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Crossbody of Work. My name is Evan. I am Javier. This week, the great Muda, Kaiji Muto. Kaiji Muto. Very excited for this one because a name I know, a gimmick I've seen, a person who I have seen pretty much zero matches of. What about you? It's pretty much the same, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I know the name. I know the person. Yeah. Um, I know what they've done. Yeah. But honestly, as far as matches, I've maybe seen one or two. Part of that like group of like '90s legends of Japanese wrestling that also like really carried during the the lean years for Japanese wrestling, which was really the beginning of like the 2000s, the beginning of 2000s to like 07, 08. Yeah, we're looking at you, Yuji Nagata. We I, hey, Yuji Nagata shows up in this one. <laughs> exactly. Good we're also you. looking at you, Masahiro Chono. Yes. All again, names that we've heard of, like actual legends of wrestling in, in especially in Japan, but also around the world. And uh, we're going to look at Kajimuto. People are going to ask like, hey, uh, you going to check out his WCW stuff? And the answer is not really. No. Yeah. Uh, because if you look, all of his best matches are not under the WCW banner. There's one that's a WCW New Japan Super Show. We'll get to that. Yeah. But holy shit, the rest of his other matches... WCW not knowing how to bring in foreign-born talent and use them correctly sounds like every Western promotion. Hey. Not every, but WWE is special. ROH does a decent job. Oh, RIP to ROH. They had their last show. Pour one out for the homies. I, I would just like to, to give my eulogy. Damn! <laughs> I'm sorry. The Ron Simmons eulogy. No, 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 no. It's the, it's the Kevin Hart thing with Don Cheeto. Damn! <laughs> I'm 58. Damn. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish he went into it like his Kevin Hart space. First of all, bam. Okay. What you need to do? Boom, bye. Anyways, Kaiji Mudo. <laughs> no. Kevin Hart, not Kaiji Mudo. We switched episodes. Uh, we are talking with Kaiji Mudo today. Let's get all the housekeeping stuff out of the way. Follow us on Twitter at Crossbody of Work. Follow us on Instagram. I redownloaded the Instagram. So, like, follow us there. You can have the app. Uh, no, I really have been trying to be more productive, and that included getting rid of Instagram. Please. And now it's the holidays, so fuck it. We're back. Sir, you have Reddit. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I just find other ways to ruin my uh, my time, essentially. Uh, wherever you're listening, be sure to rate us five stars. Helps out the podcast tremendously. The big five-star frog splash review. Uh, also, tell us what you want us to do for episode 100. Shoot us a DM. Yeah, Just really, we're know. struggling here. We're not even. This isn't even. A, this is not a work. No, this is a shoot. Uh, just tell us what we should do with the vibes because it's just going to be us talking for a while. Because uh, so at this point, at this point, the podcast is just us showing up and being like, "Well, no one told us what to do." So yeah, without direction, we crumble. 
<laughs> yeah, I really wish I had a lot of play. I'm great at booking the buildup. I'm terrible with the payoffs. Yeah. So tell tell we're, we're, the buildup is going to be tremendous. But tell us what the payoff is in episode 100. Also, a special programming note. Next week's episode, we're going to spoil it right now at the beginning, is a Christmas special. That's right. We have picked five different Christmas-related matches. And by we, I mean me. Javier has not seen them yet. I have not even looked at the list. Evan told me that I need to go into this blind, and I'm going into it very blind. It is going to be a special for everybody. We've got some obscure matches. We've got some WWE stuff. We've got some TNA stuff. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, like actual TNA, not not Impact TNA stuff. Got some old classics. We got some uh, Santa-related promos in there. Ho, ho, ho. ho. And that's going to be dropping early. So instead of dropping on Christmas Day, which would be our regular schedule, it's going to be dropping two days early on the Thursday, the 23rd. Which is the day that I'm going to watch Spider-Man. No one spoil. A little early Christmas gift for everybody is... The Christmas episode of Crossbody of Work. Yes, because the people are waiting. I can't wait for everyone to listen to that. They have been waiting for the holiday episode. (laughs) Can't wait for everyone to uh, to listen to that podcast specifically on like the twenty seventh. Hey, you know what? It's still nice. the The time between like the twenty seventh to the thirtieth is the biggest black hole of time in existence. All right, you just. There's just marathons on TV. You're in your sweatpants. You, you're full of chocolate, leftover turkey. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best time. Like time literally does not exist anymore until wait. it's New Year's Eve. And you're like, wait, a new year? Okay, sure. People eat chocolate for Christmas? <laughs> oh, man, I love chocolate. Oh, you I get bet. chocolate in like the stocking and then you just keep eating it. I don't know. I'm, I'm not much of a sweets person personally. So Yeah, that's why you're in shape and I'm not. All right. <laughs> Kaiji Muto, still kicking ass as he's 59 years old. He's still doing it. He's still active. Where is he? Is he in all Japan? Noah? I think he's just kind of like... GCW? I mean, he showed up in... Oh, he's in Noah right now. Let's go! I mean, he showed up in AEW as a a judge at Full Gear in 2019, which seems like forever ago. 2019? Feels like forever ago. Wow. Yeah. That was so, a whole pandemic ago. It, just, it was a couple of them ago by this point. Damn. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest with ourselves. But Kaiji Muto's been doing it since the 80s. Uh, he trained in New Japan, did an excursion, very common for Japanese wrestlers, did an excursion somewhere else. He did his in Puerto Rico and Texas and returned. And that's actually where we pick up for, for our first match is he returned in the early 90s. And we're looking at a match from the 91 G1 Climax against a familiar face from the pod. Big Van Vader. Haas Month's own. Yes. Star of Haas Month. Because Haas Month is the greatest creation of me ever. Yes. You you and August get along very me well. And August now. are vibing all the time. <laughs> the 1991 G1 Climax looked a little different from the way it looks now. Only eight men in the tournament total. Yeah. The G1 was, was really weird up until It was a like, tiny tournament. I would say honestly, up until up through to like the mid two thousands, the G one was was really like a small thing. And they kept changing it around every year. So, like example, eighty eight was a five man tournament, all in all in one, you know, round robin. Yep. Eighty nine was four different blocks of people with six or five in each. Ninety one is again eight man. Ninety two was a sixteen uh, man single elimination tournament. Like they really didn't get the the formula down yet. 
Yeah, I mean, the Ron Robbins stuff didn't come on until a bit later. So, I mean, they did it, but they just didn't do it consistently till, till you know, the mid-2000s, like you said. And that's why they almost went bankrupt. Belly up. Uh, what did you think of this match? Aside from the fact that it's filmed on the same angle as, like, the curtain call footage from Dude. I straight up, my first note here is my father is recording this from the nosebleeds. Yeah. Like, this is the same guy who got Hunter and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash in trouble. Homie's doing this. Like, he's recording. You can't even do it, but on the disposable camera. That's what they're recording this on. <laughs> if I just keep hitting the button. It's like, a, just it's like a Charlie Chaplin film. It, you know, it'll just work itself out. <laughs> uh, in terms of the actual match content... I really liked it. I thought it was yeah. uh, fun, a fun big man match. I mean, uh, I wouldn't consider Mudo a big man by any at strength, all, <laughs> but his ability to work with Vader was great. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was really they worked a, a big man little man kind of match because yeah. Mudo or Muda at this point is not a very uh, he's not a very big guy. I mean, he's he's pretty average build, I would say. Uh, right now, build at six two two forty. In his younger days, I'd say probably like 220. Yeah, I mean, he's probably big compared to a lot. I mean, he's big compared to some of the people we see on this episode. But yes. like compared to Vader, homie, yeah. looks like a, homie looks like he lives in his mother's basement. Also, Vader's presentation in Japan is one of the best gimmicks. Just he, they, they were like, we're going to put the rocket on you. You get everything. Yep. You get the coolest mask in history. The Mastodon. Not the one that looks like a collection of rubber bands, but the big Mastodon mask. Oh my god, that thing was so probably so uncomfortable, the the big rubber band mask. Yes, and also, it didn't like protect your identity. He would take it off all the time. It didn't protect your identity. What it would slip off! What the fuck is it for? Plus, we know what Vader looks like. We just, like, we know. That's Vader. Also, yeah. it's not like you're gonna blend in, in in everyday society when you're that big. You're sticking out looking like fucking Kingpin out here. Anyways, so the match starts uh, right before the match starts. We get a streamer shower for Muda. I love that love tradition that. in Japan love for the it. for the the baby faces. Always they get streamers, streamer shower, yes. baby. And then Vader decides he's gonna lay in some massive strikes. Oh my god, the chops in the corner yeah, were great. vicious. Uh, Muda, we get it. Muda then returns with chops of his own, which was also yeah. Great. I mean, Vader's just like oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, you're trying. That's good. He's he's, he's doing his. He do what he can. Vader gets a um, just. The ultimate bitch slap. Just right across the face. This is... Stephanie McMahon could never... This is where she learned it. She, oh, was she, it? She's studying the tapes. Oh, shit. I didn't realize yeah. she went all the way back to the... What oh, was yeah, this? 91 no. G1? The 91 G1. Yeah, she was studying. Oh, trying, shit. Trying to see how she could hone her craft. Took the bullet train to Japan. Um, <laughs> Vader hits a world's strongest slam, which I guess Mark Henry was crunching tape, too. Yeah. Yeah, they were all watching together. <laughs> Big party. At that Memphis apartment that him and The Rock used to live in. Sometimes I like to think of, like, what are the most random combinations of, like, friendships you could see backstage in, in wrestling companies? And, like, I think Mark Henry and Stephanie McMahon would be up there. I don't know. I mean, Mark Henry's a really personable person. Yeah. I would say, like, I feel like if the great Kali were, like, legitimately friends with, like, Nia Jax, that would be fucking weird. That yeah, that's a weird, that's a weird combo. Or like, I guess we do like today modern wrestling. I mean, like almost and like Charlotte would be pretty weird. 
Like, what do they have in common? Yeah, what do they talk about? What do they bond over? You know? Maybe the homie, big, the homie most play basketball. Fantasy, fantasy football players. She doesn't strike me as someone that watches football. She does not strike Isn't me as someone who watches football because she's too busy, I don't know, going to the gym and being famous. Whatever. Yeah. Congrats, um, you're good at wrestling. No one gives a fuck. Uh, Mudo, when he does land his chops, he backs Vader out of the ring, which was great. A lot of kicks, too. A lot of kicks, yeah. Uh, back in, Vader and his giant chops and clotheslines is really dominating. And then a beautiful roll by Mudo to avoid a clothesline. And then we get a series of nice drop kicks. Did not yes. know Mudo was going to have a nice drop kick in his arsenal, but here he is laying them in. Again, Vader, big target, but. Yeah, it's hard to great. miss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Muda hits a drop or drop kicks Vader off the apron at one yeah. point here, then hits a plancha. Yeah, plancha was great. He Irish whips Vader uh, into the barricade, then hits a jumping uh, back elbow. Yeah, like the handspring back elbow. Yeah. yeah, that thing, which we see a lot. It's a staple of his offense, which again, we learned. And one thing, obviously, this is like the metal barricade era, like just the ones you would have at the arena, probably. I mean, it's Japan, they don't really do like yeah. the audience is right here there's always like a barricade then like an open space then and another it's, barricade and then it's, it's really the good that the audience wasn't right there because vader backed that thing up so far <laughs> girl you look good once you back that ass up <laughs> exactly exactly uh vader gets control again clothesline takes off muda's head but he survives which is great you work with some mass yeah you bad yeah, yeah we, i lost you for a hot minute uh <laughs> Muda avoids a suplex, gets some big forearms into Vader's mug, drop kick, big back suplex. I'm like, okay, we got some. And then he, he starts doing the worst thing you could possibly do in Japan, which is closed fist punches. Yeah, you don't do that. <laughs> Especially back then. That's disqualification, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, springboard drop kick by, yeah. Mu- by Muda, which is great. Vader kicks out. Uh, by literally launching Muto. Yeah. <laughs> Wee! Back suplex there, too, at one point. Yeah, yeah, the big one. Uh, Muto goes up top after the kickout. Moonsault, which, again, we learned, big part of his arsenal. Yeah. Like his finisher. Yeah, it's basically his finisher. Yeah. No? Uh, and it, it pretty much is. And Vader kicks out of that, too. You know why? Because as we'll learn in the other uh, matches... He's got a setup to the moon. So yeah, and he didn't do the setup. So well, therefore, do you know what that's called? That move. It's like a, I called it a side breaker. It's a it's side not breaker. A back breaker. Yeah, but it's like it's on I the put side. a rib breaker at one point. I was like, hits the ribs, kind of like making me side. want some ribs. Mmm, ribs. Mmm, barbecue. Mm, uh, food. <laughs> Vader catches Muda trying the uh, the back elbow. Just yeah. fucking plants him. Yeah, beautiful. I don't know. That wasn't a move. That was a, I'm going to throw this man to the ground as hard as I can. I said it was a suplex that started as a German suplex and just wasn't. By the <laughs> end of it, it had switched. It had changed nationalities. By the end of it, it was just assault. <laughs> just, ow. <laughs> just someone arrest this guy. Uh, Vader just fucking does the move where he sits on him, which. Affects. Yeah, because Muda tried to go for a sunset flip into yeah. a pin. Um, and Vader just said, well. <laughs> Sit. Uh, big splash, Mudo kicks out, and a the crowd is hyped. This is the first time you really hear the crowd, except for if you do watch it, there's one dude who I guess is close to the guy who's filming who is screaming for the first half of the match. Just fucking screaming. 
Is that you? Are you that guy? It was, I was born in '92, so no, it was would, not. Would me. that would that have would that be you though? Are you the guy no, that's like going I crazy? Been, I would have been counting ten. Remember, Are you the guy that's I'm going crazy at the beginning of the match, and then by the end you're just like, "All right, well, this chair is really comfortable now." I'm very tired. <laughs> no, I like to think I could pace myself. I can't. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm definitely that guy. I'm like first five minutes, unless this is a squash. We are. You're losing me after five minutes, and then we'll come back at the end. <laughs> Splash in the corner by Vader. Mudo gets power bombed and still kicks out. Yeah, big things. Yeah, uh, Mudo catches Vader with a backslide, and the crowd was like stunned by the backslide. They were into it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was too, homie. That's a big dude. You're sliding off your back. It's a, it's a big dude. Two count goes for a roll up. Two count, and then we get the finish. Yeah, um, Muda no sells a corner splash. Yep, um, that Vader hit on him. Then tries to gets up to the top rope, tries going for a flying crossbody. Vader catches him. Muda is able to wiggle himself into a roll up somehow. One, two, three. Great Muda has won this match. A big surprise. A very big surprise. Uh, Muda would actually go on to win block A of the climax. And a matchup in the finals against Masahiro Chono and lose. Well, speaking of Masahiro Chono. Pain. <laughs> pain. Speaking yes. of this man, though. Speaking of Chono, we move on to or the only match that really hum- happens under a WCW banner. And that is at the WCW New Japan Super Show in 1993. It is the Great Muda versus Masahiro Chono. It is a title versus title match. Both titles are on the line. Great Muda is the IWGP champion. Chono is the NWA champion. So it is a double title match. Masahiro. Oh, wait. Didn't we cover the match where Masahiro Chono won the NWA championship? I don't remember. I feel like we won. We, we have covered, covered a- many a match. I feel like we covered a match where someone from Japan won the NWA title. I really do feel like that's a thing that we did. Oh, we, we covered it was in the Rick Rude episode. Well, I feel like we I'm just saying, I'm just saying Rick Rude was a while back. Rick Rude was a while back. I am currently searching our archives. Okay, yeah, while you do we, that. We had Chono defending the title against Rick Rude. Oh, that's what it was. The Rick and Rude beat is, him. Rick Rude did not beat him at that point. Dickhead. Yeah, because then Chono, that was um Climax Day 492. And then Chono would move to this match in January of 93 against Muda. Evan, do you want to know how much respect I have for Masahiro Chono? Uh, a lot? Uh, with a goatee like that, while we do this portion of the podcast, I'm going to fold my laundry. That's how much respect I have for Masahiro Chono. Is it because his goatee looks like shit? It's the goatee. What the fuck is that goatee? I don't know what your experience has been with facial hair, but the first facial hair you get, you are unnaturally proud of. Uh, First off, mine was ninth grade, freshman year of high school. Okay. I finally could like full grow the mustache. Yeah. Held on way too long. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Couldn't grow anywhere else. There was nothing else. It was just the mustache. So I was at a point where I was looking like fucking Luigi. Yeah. Mine was, I think grade 10 was the first, like, obviously, like, you get the little mustache hairs and, like, a little bit of beard hairs or whatever. But the first time I could grow any, like, one, like, substantial thing, it was just the chin goatee. 
Oh, like, that's I had, bad. Yeah, I know. I had oh, just no. the chin goatee as like a 16-year-old. You didn't have the soul patch? No, 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 no soul patch. Especially because oh, right on my, on, on my face, that, that comes in blonde. It was just the bottom, like a billy goat. Did you say that's the part of your face that comes in blonde? Yeah, literally just, it's right here. It just comes in blonde. That's fucking weird. Well, my hair used to be really blonde, like growing up as a, as a baby. I was a blonde kid. And then like huh. everything else changed and just right here is really blonde. Anywho, the great Muda. So, Chono's got a bitch of a goatee. That's been established, but Kaiji Muda was somebody entirely different in this match, and that is the great Muda. Muda is his, like, face-painted alter ego. It's like the Demon Balor, except he used it more consistently, and it wasn't, I guess, like, his, like, super character. Uh, he wasn't getting randomly crotched on the top rope? <laughs> I love how people were like, give it time, they'll explain it. No yes, let's swap him to a different brand. No explanation. So here's the explanation of the great Muda from Wikipedia. is a mysterious, manifestedly supernatural character who distinguishes himself through his macabre looks and magical skills. His oh. appearance is highlighted by his lavish, exotical entrance costumes, which are taken off to reveal a horrifically painted face, later replaced by an organic-looking mask after Muda shaved his head. Muda uses his moveset with a little variation, including the fact that his shining wizard is called the Senko, Senku Yujutsu, which means flash magic instead. And Muda also uses green or red mist. Great Muda is the gimmick that also came across to WCW. It's what they you would have seen him in WCW using that gimmick instead. But again, they really did not know what to do with it. He was the Great Muda in the late 80s and early 90s for the NWA and WCW and used it spa- like sparingly in New Japan. There's I... a Great Muda lesson. I learned everything now about the Great Muda, just literally through that. That's all I know. And everything you've just said. We get weirdly like a, a mist before the match starts. He's like, yeah, mist. We're gonna we're gonna do that to start the match. He doesn't even mist Chono. No, he just mists. He 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 missed the mist. It's like a fucking Stephen King novel here. <laughs> that the mist as a movie is so fucking depressing. Oh it's a, how the fuck do you think the book is? Well, I assume the same. It's worse. Oh, it's good. even more depressive. I mean, The Mist is a movie, homie. Uh, first off, we're spoiling a, a movie that's you about know, fifteen years old at this point. Yeah, actually, probably even more. Um, what the fuck was I saying? You you were going to spoil the. Mist. I'm sorry. I just I I legitimately first off for the, we're just gonna this is where the podcast pauses uh, as far as wrestling goes because Evan, you are a. Uh, expert in this topic as well so so we could talk about it it's adhd i legitimately just got a notification from one mark stein basketball reporter uh from twitter who is one of the three people that i have notifications for all basketball writers and he said demarcus cousins getting his first start with the bucks that right there mid-sentence has ruined the entire sentence have no idea where I was going. Lost it completely. What you, what you need to know is that Javier and I both have ADHD. The Mist was a really depressing movie, and we're talking about Chono versus Muda. Finally, yes, let's finally do this now. Early, early on, Muda backs Chono in the corner. It hits a backwards drop kick. It was sick. It yes. was one of my favorite moves of the whole episode. It was okay. so slick. You know what I didn't like. So this is. I'm going to be honest with you. This might be my least favorite match of the bunch. Okay. Um, I, I, I like the Vader match, but this yeah. actually now I'm looking at the list. It, this was my least favorite of the bunch. 
Yeah. Because it has, I don't know. I just felt like these two didn't really have that good chemistry. It has the most breaks. There are definitive yeah. breaks in the match. I It just, it felt really repetitive. It felt yeah. like, which I can understand. I mean, look. I watch Japanese wrestling. I know that there's a lot of repetition to it because that's just the way it is kind of over there. But my thing is there's ways of making it engaging. And I just felt like really up until the last like four or five minutes of this match, it was just a malaise. Like I felt like I was fucking trapped in quicksand watching this shit. So uh, summarizing a lot of the early parts of the match, uh, a lot of Muda taking breaks on the outside when Chono gets an upper hand. Uh, a lot. Uh, there's one point where Muda goes to the outside and looks under the ring and gets an ice pick, and the ref just takes it from him, which was weird. It's a very weird time. The only like notable move from the first maybe ten minutes is Muda hitting what looks like a people's elbow <laughs> because it's just a running elbow drop to it. He did it in the Vader match, though. He he did he did in a couple matches. But yeah. the Chono's down, and he has so much flair on the elbow drop that it looks like the end of the people's elbow. You know why I know that's one of his moves, actually? Because you know who does that? Dean Ambrose. Or uh, John... Well, he doesn't really do it much as John Moxley. But when he was in WWE as Dean Ambrose, he did it all the time. It was the, the exaggerated elbow drop where he yeah. was like, oh, and then he just drop on it really quickly. And I remember him doing an interview, and he said that he got a lot of inspiration from Cho- uh, from... Muda? Uh, Muda. And I was like, that that was honestly, I remember that now. This is all coming back to me. This is how memory works as well, people. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the Brain Podcast. I'm remembering that now. And that's really why I know the great Muda, aside from obviously the whispers you hear throughout the interwebs and all that jazz. But like, I remember looking him up on, on Wikipedia because of that interview yeah. when he was Dean Ambrose. It's like I was explaining to a friend of mine today the reason that I know or I got into listening to Frank Ocean is because he got referenced on a Gambino song. And I was like, who is this Frank Ocean? And then I got depressed. Wow. No, <laughs> well, I know Frank Ocean because I got really into uh, early Tyler, the creator, when he was doing that wild shit and Earl yeah. Sweatshirt. And obviously, yeah. Frank was a part of, of Odd Future at the time. So he was there. And, yeah. you know, fucking 12 years later, Man's is still my favorite artist. Yeah, I found Channel Orange right after a breakup, and I was like, "Oh no, it's the end time." I, right. I, I, I'm so sorry. Anyways, so, let's get to interesting parts of the match. Chono which, starts targeting the like, did like, yes, lots of leg submission by Chono. Muda doing a great job actually selling it after he even gets up. He sells it while he's walking around. Good work, Muda. Yes, good work on Muda's end. There is a time where Muda sends Chono to the outside. They have the ramp that goes directly into the ring at this point in New Japan. Yes. Do you still have that? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it depends on where they are. I assume this is kind of a big show. So yeah. so yeah. So Muda tosses him onto the ramp. Muda hits a bulldog. Crowd comes alive. No kidding for the first time in, in 10 minutes. The, the crowd is, is alive. Yeah. The Runs the length of the ramp. Yep. And then runs back to clothesline Chono. I loved it so much. Which we come to find is a move of his. In yeah, his he, youth. He does it. In his youth. And this is also when you realize, because there's a backdrop by Moon in the Ring, whose face paint is peeling like bathroom wallpaper. It is basically not even on at this point. It is, And it's not like, you know how Sting's always comes off because it just rubs off 
as he's yeah. Starts. But stings by the time it comes off, it like it's been like twenty minutes. You know, and you can see it slowly going, usually from hairline down, because that like the sweat starts there. Yeah, Buddha's is straight up peeling. Just, <laughs> I kind of want to know what it is. I so badly. I used to wear a face paint a lot. I don't know if people know. Mom's this, got but like I, lead paint. <laughs> but I used to be like my university's mascot. And I would go to every hockey game. You know, this doesn't surprise me. A wig and essentially pajamas. And I would run around and cheer. That's comfy. It was. It's actually very comfy. <laughs> and that's, that's see, really the face paint was always really difficult to get out. Like it was it was actually meant to be face paint. So that was good. But the thing that would happen is you, you would have to like wet it all and then essentially take dry paper towels and just like swipe it off. Yeah. And the worst part is it would get stuck in like the corners of your eyes and there was one point where i had i had done it and i didn't realize i still had some in it and my friend made me cry laugh and i cried blue (laughs) and my friend was like are you okay are you the crutch what's wrong with you so mood has got no face paint now and we get a handspring back elbow he misses the moonsault though and chono immediately locks in stf a good stf i like yes uh, we he, get a super- first off, Chono, great STFs. Oh, yeah. This entire match. He, he does it a bunch. Yeah. We get a suplex over the ropes to the ramp by Muto, which was great. Yeah. Uh, Chono with an interesting roll-up for a two. I did not know how else to describe it. It was an interesting roll-up. <laughs> uh, and then a flying shoulder block also for a two. Then we get the STF again. A Hurricane Rana for a two by Muda. And I was like, okay, things are getting interesting. Hurricane Rounders are being busted out. Yes, we also get a we get a power bomb. Did you say the power bomb? Oh, I I, I did not say the power bomb. We get power a power bomb. bomb. We get a deep STF. Yeah. We get first off. It's Frankensteiner. It is. It is. I, I'm gonna yell at you for that later. Uh, not on the podcast. Can't we wait. Don't, we don't like to fight in front of the children. <laughs> <laughs> Muda uh, Muda does his little side breaker, goes up for a moonsault. Chono gets his knees up. Chono then gets up on the top rope, goes for a flying shoulder tackle again. He misses because Muda gets out of the way. Yep. Muda hits a moonsault on the rebound for that. Quickly gets up for a near fall. Immediately back up to the top rope. Hits his second one. One, two, three. Great Muda has won this match. And with it, the NWA championship. So now he is both the IWGP and NWA champion. Good, good for Muda. Good for Kaiju. I Muda. just want to put it out there for the people. The great Muda won Dusty's title. He did. And it makes us happy. We're going to take our first break. When we get back, we're looking at a tag team match for Kaiju Muda. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back from the break. Kaiji Muto and Hiroshi Hase teaming up. Hase? 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 Hase. It's got to be Hase. There's no way it's Hase. It's got to be Hase. And they're teaming up against literally one of my favorite tag teams. They have become, I am so excited for this episode. You're watching matches because they always end up popping up as like, hey, somebody's best tag match of the 90s happened to be against these two. They just show up. I think this is their fourth appearance on the pod. Or sorry, third er- third time they've shown up on the pod in this era, the 90s. Yeah. It's the Steiners, Rick and Scott. Yep. I'm going to tell you right now, when we start running out of three-parters, the Steiners are going to be a three-parter. We'll just do oh one God. on Scott, I'm one on Rick, so. one on the team. One on all their associates, like Jordan Grace and Petey Williams. <laughs> it's going to be great. I am so excited. This is at New Japan Battle Dome 1994, which was a really weird card. It was stacked. It was also the last one that kind of used WCW talent. Um, Hulk Hogan was on the card. Fuck him. And so was Brutus Beefcake. <laughs> they were on the card, but weren't with WCW yet. They were just freelancers, which was weird. But also, it had a really good match of Jushin Thunder Liger versus original Tiger Mask in a mask versus mask match. You can assume who won based on who still wore the mask all the time. But yeah, this card was fucking crazy. Hobby I'm sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. Send me that card. I need to know what this is. I'm watching that later. I mean, no, so the skip, original skip Tiger the Hogan mask. match, but... Original Tiger Mask is legitimately one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. I'm very excited for us to do... Uh, an episode on him. It's going to be really hard to find some of his like best, best matches. Um, but man, I'm so excited for that. He is awesome. And then, you know, Liger. It's fucking Liger. Yeah. Which, it, it's a crazy match. It's not actually called Battle Dome. It's called Battlefield. My bad. This is arguably better. Battlefield. Uh, again, Bruges Beefcake's on the card. Hulk Hogan's Is on it the bad card. company too? <laughs> Hogan faces Tats- uh, Tatsumi Fujinami. Um, Riki Choshu's on the card. Antonio what the Noki's fuck? On the He's card. facing Fujinami. Yeah, uh, there's a tag title match between uh, Hawk and Power Warrior, which is <laughs> Kensuke Sasaki versus Hercules Hernandez and Scott Norton. In my veins. Yeah, this is a lot. It's a, lot. It's a crazy card. I want to watch this. Is this on the network or not the network? What the fuck is it called now? Peacock. Maybe. Is this on the cock? It might be. But yeah, it's a crazy match. And what do you think of the actual tag match against the Signers? Here? This is my favorite match of the bunch. It I'm not is, even gonna lie. Again, my favorite match of the bunch for sure. I fucking love Rick Steiner more than anything in the universe. So Rick Steiner, legitimately one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. So Hase and Scott are in the start. They don't really do much. That's fine. Mudo gets tagged into <laughs> big cheers. Rick is in full-on dogma when he gets tagged in. Yep. He is barking. He is on all fours. It is weird. There is somebody out there very happy about it. Okay, to be fair, he's on all fours because Muda got on all fours. And these guys are amateur wrestling like legends, like legitimately, yep. the Steiners. So it's like, oh, oh, you're going to test me, buddy? Yeah. yeah, come down here. And then he's just taunting, and that's great. That's when Rick Steiner is at his best is yeah. when he's not just, you know, for no reason doing the dog pissing thing. It's like, oh, you're coming down here to get in an amateur wrestling stance with me. Yeah. I'm going to school you, son. Here, hold this taunt real quick. Have my back. Um, 
there's a lot of ground wrestling at the beginning, a lot of long submissions to start. Yeah. Again, it's they, a they, slow they, start. It's a they, I, I will out. say. The first, again, really big move is a beautiful double underhook powerbomb by Scott to Hase. Yes. And then he attacks Mudo on the side. Uh, we get dual press slams by the Steiners. They both pick one up. Rick has a little bit of trouble, uh, yeah. you know, getting the, the handle right. And then we get the classic Steiner pose where Rick comes through and there he's a dog. It's great. Um, yeah. 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 That's, that's also really cool. Um, Hase eventually gets back in. He's going with chops and Scott is just eating them. Yep. Scott at this point, this is arguably what year was this again? 94. 94. Yep. This was, I would say 93 to like 95 is peak Scott. Yeah. Like 94 is arguably his peak as a, as an overall, like as a wrestler. Yeah. But man, like he is just, cause he's big. So he could do a lot of power stuff. But he is fast, and he is yeah. like just able to freak, do so much he, shit. He is a freak athlete. He truly is. Yeah, and then he just got way too fucking big. And then he became a genetic freak. He was the booty daddy. The big <laughs> booty daddy. Um, yeah, we get that. We get that spot. Um, and then Muda tags in, tosses Scott out of the ring onto the ramp. Yeah, because uh, we've got the big ramp here again. Yeah, suplexes him. Uh, Muda goes for a walk. Goes for a walk up the ramp. And what he does is immediately turns it around, runs a 40 down the ramp, clothesline to Scott. Now, you think that's over. No, no, no. Rick comes, suplex to Rick, while Hase starts running up the ramp. And he is full sprinting, mind you. He full sprints up the ramp, turns around on a dime, 40-yard dash all the way back. And he, while uh, while Rick is being propped up by Muda, then comes in, clotheslines Rick. I, I love wrestling. I, I realize it would be such a great heel turn for Muda to go and walk to like do the big thing and then just abandon a tag partner. I mean, that's, just, just that's kind of what walking. people in Japan do, though. I mean, that's something Kento would do. Or like when he oh, was a Kento heel, Naito would have done that a million percent. Just, you know what? That's really far back. And I'm so close to my my locker room. I'm just gonna go. I mean, right, when he was that. a heel, Naito like a lot of his offense before he went away on excursion and became the the you know the head of uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón. Like he really was like a, a top rope guy. He would do the yeah. you know the the start of splash, all that stuff. And then when he came back, he was really grounded. Like he was barely ever breaking out the the start of splash. He was really not doing a lot of the exciting moves. The only thing exciting about him was his fucking finisher, which I still contend is one of the top fives in that Destino. Love that thing. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is in Japan, though. Back in the ring, Hase with the, the dropping leg submission, you know, where you tie up the legs and then you drop backwards and you hurt the legs. Did a little yes. bit of that on a little Scott. Bit of a, it's like a Muda lock, but you're not actually doing the lock. I just yeah. called it like a snap Muda yeah. lock. Turns it into a submission. Muda's in. Ankle lock type move on Scott. Just kind of working him over for a while. Uh, Rick gets in and is ready to party. He oh, yeah. Is, you know, he gets Hase up, slams him upside down into the corner, which was great. Yeah. Uh, Hase tries fighting back with some, like, really nice-looking knife-edge chops. Uh, tag to Mudo, and Mudo is like, all right, uh, my my plan against Rick is to use all of the energy in the world. Big elbow, arm bar, and then Rick is like, hey – Here's a move that is going to get old by like the mid 2010s, but is really cool in the 90s. I'm going to okay. power out of it. 
but here's the thing like the way it's done now is like you could see it coming it's so choreographed but this dude scott or uh rick straight up just deadlifted this man like yeah. he picked him up and you could see the struggle that he had like it looked like a real thing like honestly i feel like if if there was like a you know a big like mma fight and let's say like it's it's a mismatch of styles where like one dude is like big like yeah, the other the same way but one dude is just bigger than the other yeah. like i could see like let's he's no longer in the ufc but when yoel romero was there and then israel adesanya like yeah. let's say they they ran it back and had an actual good fight this time like i could see yoel romero doing something like that to izzy i really could because izzy's skinny as shit even though they're the same way it's like you could see the size disparity and honestly i i feel like you said muda was like probably at his peak was probably around like 220 yeah whatever but like probably not super far off from what uh rick is i mean rick's he's not that like a super tall guy and no rick's pretty compactly built yeah i'd be shocked if he was like 235 240 or if he was anything more than that um and and yeah like just to see that like rick wasn't as big as or as jacked as scott but he kind of just had this like functional strength to him that i always enjoyed like yeah the dude was ugly as shit but man could he fucking work but also he leaned into it the man should be the mascot for the cleveland browns and his son is really fucking fun his son is killing the game right he now. might be my favorite wrestler right now i'm not even kidding so we get that big power up slam uh Hase back in scott holds his legs and it kind of breaks up his momentum rick meets him with a side belly to belly which was great or sorry Hase was up top and scott held yeah. his legs so he couldn't jump off the top rick met him up there with a side belly to belly off the top rope scott comes in Clotheslines, tilt the world, slam, uh, side slam, suplex into a sit out pile driver by Scott okay. to Hase. I, I had I forgot to look it up. It's Cage's finisher. Yes, yeah. the the driller, something driller. Yeah, and he, the best part about it is, yeah, it's a suplex into the pile driver. It's a vertical suplex yeah. into the pile driver because he held him up there for what felt like fifteen seconds. Yeah, it's crazy. It is also, a crazy move. Rick hits a middle rope belly to belly to Muda while that's yeah. also going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rick then runs Muda off the top rope again. Scott slapping Hase in the ring. Uh, he's trying to clothesline Hase down. To the cl- he refuses to move. And Hase's not a big guy either. He explodes he with some so suplex. uh Suplexes. Muda gets back in. We get a back by drop to Scott. A beautiful drop kick again. Then we get some like super bulldogs by Hase and Muto, which were very yeah. cool. Kind of yeah. like their own version of the, the Legion of Doom finish, but they decided just to bulldog instead. I love at one point here we get we get a pair of, of Uranagis from Hase to, to Scott for some near falls. Which, dude, my man Hase could get some fucking torque on those Uranagis. Yeah, nice. Um we get a we get a bridging German at one point for a near fall. We get a Northern Lights suplex by Hase to Scott for a near fall. Yeah. Um, because Rick broke it up. Um, we get Muda comes back into the ring. He does a, a back elbow into a bulldog that you could tell was just on the fly. Like, yeah. homie just, like, saw the way that, uh, that that dude was rebounding off the corner, and he was just like, fuck it, bulldog. <laughs> yeah, we can make this work. Yeah. Um, and, and then we really get some. This Okay, so we get uh, Hase's holding off Rick. Muda hits his like side breaker and moonsault for a near fall. And then we just get the Steiners going just all out. Yeah. Evan, I'm just going to let you just, just vibe out for the boys. Okay. 
So uh, after the moonsault by Mudo, uh, Scott kicks out. The next big move is a Frankensteiner by Scott to Mudo. Big from, one. From the top. Uh, Rick with a huge press slam and elbow, tilt a wheel backbreaker, all the Hase. Then they get Hase up on Rick's shoulders for a top rope DDT by Scott. Scott yeah. DDTs him off of Rick's shoulders. It's the Steiner the recliner, rope. but instead of a bulldog, it's it was a DDT. DDT. And then we get the Steiner recliner on Hase for the three. Yeah. No, to Muda. Oh, it was Muda for the, the three. The DDT was on Hase. Yes. Um, Muda causes a distraction, so there's no pin. Then they get Muda up, hit the Steiner recliner. Hase comes in to break the pin, but it's too late because it it's already been late. a three count. The Steiners win. This match was nuts. I loved every second of it. We're taking our last break. When we get back, two more matches. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Back from the break. And you're probably wondering, hey, they took a commercial after only one. Well, that's because we have no promo this week. As has been established on previous episodes, neither of us speak Japanese and would not be able to do a dubbed or subbed promo probably any justice. So, yes. matches. I don't speak it. Do you want me to learn Japanese specifically so we can do this podcast? No, because if you use the Duolingo, that owl will haunt your fucking dreams. First off, dreams. I'm going to tell you right now, it wouldn't be Duolingo. <laughs> I would just learn Japanese figure it out if i need to learn a language i would simply absorb it exactly i'll go to japan i, I am built different. do i need to move to japan for three months to learn japanese you need to go on your excursion dude i can learn japanese in less than a year 100 percent. we need we need somebody to finance your excursion uh, where's the what's his name masa where's the fucking guy who who like bankrolls all the new japan talent like anytime oh, yeah. remember when the the bte when the bucks were still with new japan and then they'd like it'd just be like this like fat japanese dude with them at all times like buying them dinner and shit yeah yeah masa masa's gotta bankroll this shit for us we need we need this match number four uh is jinichiro tenru the triple yes. crown championship all japan superpower in budokan June 8th, 2001. So we skipped ahead quite a bit. This was part of a New Japan, All Japan invasion angle. And Mudo is looking like Japanese Stone Cold at this point. Shaved head, full goatee, looking like a badass. Looks like he's aged a lot in the seven years since we've seen him last. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the interim, he had done a couple of things. He had tagged. He, had, he actually wins a G1 in 95, I believe. So, you know, does a couple of things that does, you know, he was a stalwart in New Japan at this point. Homie looks so match. different. He looks so very different. This was, again, like I said, part of a, an invasion angle that involved him making his own stable 
that included wrestlers from New Japan, All Japan, and FMW as part of the talent exchange angle. It was called Badass Translate Trading. That was the name of the stable. Wow. Uh, yeah. Now, that. I know what you said, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Let's be honest with ourselves. Homie's really just looking like Japanese Carl Anderson. Yeah, that might be more accurate. <laughs> but what is Carl Anderson if not just this generation Stone Cold? Yeah, put that out there in terms of the look. We're just going to move on from that one. Adam Page is our is our Stone Cold. Because it's well, like, hey. No, no, no. Adam Page, Adam Page is an older generation. He's a different generation. Let's get Stone Cold, except let's give him anxiety. All right. Deal. Okay, so we get a hot start by Muda. Yep. Uh, Muda in his KG Mudo setup here. This man was a dick. <laughs> yeah, like he's part of the invading force. He is an absolute dick. We haven't really seen, we haven't seen him in the heel role in this. I guess Muda was kind of the heel when he was the great Muda, but this is him in pure heel mode, and he is a jerk. A lot yeah. of ground wrestling to start. A lot of ground, very well grounded at this point for for Muda. His uh, his style has changed. Oh yeah, um, I mean he loves a basement drop kick to the knee, but we will get to that. We sure will. Uh, uh, Muda goes for a side breaker, doesn't get to attempt uh, a moonsault because homie dips. Uh, yep. Tenru gets a lot of technical holds on here early. Um, Mudo does hit a nice drop kick at one point. I will give Mudo one thing. Like, Mudo, Mudo, whatever. Homie's got a good drop kick. Yep, very good. He uh, rolls again to avoid a drop kick we, or a clothesline. We've seen that before. Then yep. follows it with a drop kick to, uh, by Mudo. Springboard back elbow as usual and a plancha to the outside. Mudo never afraid to do a plancha. He'll always throw one in there. Tenru gets uh, on the back elbow though. Tenru did get his blue, his boot up. Yes, so it kind of you know negates it. Yeah, Tenru hits a power bomb for a near fall. Um, Muno does like the forward like heel kick. Uh, I don't really. I always forget what that move's called. Shinsuke Nakamura does it. I assume he got it from Muno or people you know it's inspiration like that. Um, it, it's it's literally just homie just rolls forward and his heel catches his opponent on the yeah. way you know forward. Yeah. Um, Muda does hit the planche you were mentioning, and then Ten Tenru decides murder, suplexes Mudo over the ropes to the outside, and Mudo clearly hits his head on the apron on the way down. Dude, how this man is not only just concussed but like has severe brain damage, I will never know. And then we get a suicide dive by Tenru, which is Tenru's a big dude. He's a big dude to go through the ropes. And I'm by big, I mean like yeah, like size wise, he's pretty big. But also like you know, dad bod wise, homies, homies, homies up there. He uh, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't be say he don't be saying no to uh, a nice bev or he's a food listed online six one two seventy. That's a big fella. It's a big man. And how does Mudo counter? Well, he decides that while Tenru's on the apron, he is going to drag and screw him off the apron in what was one of the most painful-looking bumps I've seen in any of these matches. <laughs> Honestly, aside from that suplex spot that we just mentioned, it, I yeah, think it was the worst. It was the worst one. So these the two worst bumps happen within 60 seconds of one minute. Yeah, legitimately. Um, we get an apron drop kick straight yeah. to the knee um, by Muda, or Mudo. Um, missile drop kick to to Tenru's right knee. He is yeah. going ham. 
with these laser focus on the legs laser focus at this point uh gets tenru back in the ring hits a middle rope uh stomp like a coup de gras basically on the knee another dragon screw and then a long finger force figure four spot yes we are in the figure four spot for a long actually no this time it's the is it the shorter one first no, no, it's the long one. It's the long. I think this one. is the long one of them. He gets the rope, and Mudo just keeps going to town. Yeah, drop kicks the leg again. Tenru manages to return favor with the dragon screen of his own, and yeah. then also locks in his own figure four. The worst figure four I've ever seen in my life. Does a much better job when he does hit some more leg drops and does a clover leaf. He's much better I'm, with the clover leaf. I'm just saying this: like the Miz has had some really bad. I've seen some really bad figure four spots over the years. Yeah. This dude, Tenru, is right here. I'm not even exaggerating when I say this. This is the worst figure four I've ever seen. I genuinely did not know if that's what he was going for at first. I wrote it in my notes. Like, it might not have been a figure four. And that alone proves how bad it was. Like, your legs literally make a four. That's the point. Yeah, we get this. We get the the, uh, Texas Cloverleaf, which looks good. It's hard to mess up a a Texas Cloverleaf, to be fair. It's true. true. You don't do a lot of work. Um, Tenru gets, uh, gets up to the ropes. He's forced to do a spider German suplex, which was beautiful, which for those who don't know what a spider German suplex is, it's when the person is sitting backwards, kind of on the top rope, kind of in the tree of woe, maybe. And then just Germans, the person stays on, like they don't fall back into the ring. They just, you know, get in the tree of woe position and then lift themselves back up. Use the core strength, pull yourself back up. Evan could not do it. I Uh, could not. You're right. (laughs) And then he, he turns around. You, you, ever, you, you ever hear that song, My Band by D12? Here's a deep cut. These chick don't even know the name of my band. They told me to do sit-ups so I could get buff. Did two and a half and couldn't get up. <laughs> That's me, baby. I'm bizarre. I like how you go, do I know that this is a deep cut? That's literally their biggest song as a group. It is, but also you're a child, and I don't know when you started listening to rap music. Uh, when I was three. I love that. So, yeah, we get the, the, the top rope German. We then get it followed by a flying elbow. I, I, I put flying. It's really a falling elbow drop for two. <laughs> then we're with the falling elbow drop. Yeah. Mudo then with a uh, hurricane. Uh, first off, I, I said it was a splash. So Yeah. I thought it was an elbow drop. So this here we is are. not a hurricane Rana. <laughs> it is a Frankensteiner. I know. Commentary even calls it a Frankensteiner because I know that word. <laughs> Frankensteiner! Yeah, I know that word in English. Um, Mudo hits a shining wizard, but apparently yeah. it was blocked. Yeah, they said he did like it. I don't know. Homie, that looked like it hit clean. It looked clean to me. But uh, like Ted no sells it, and, and like commentary is basically reacting as if he it got blocked. And then right up with a brain buster. Oh, and- clean. Clean braid bluster that was. The look of indignation on Tenru's face, like God, that should finish you. It should, it should put you away. Like homie, I just spiked you on your fucking head. <laughs> After spiking you on your head on the apron earlier. Yeah. Then he goes for a top rope Frankensteiner. Yep. And a then a brain buster uh, attempt is reversed by Mudo with knees to the face. I love when people do that fin- or that reversal when they're in the vertical suplex position, just, oh. and they just knee you on the top of the head. <laughs> and I'm shining wizard for near fall. Yep. Another shining wizard for near fall. Sidebreaker, moonsault, one, two, three. Gaiji Muto wins the match. And is now the triple crown champion. So the invading force winning the title. Whenever people like fantasy book invasion angles, 
they always like and then the you know like whenever people wanted to book like the old school nxt invades ron smackdown right yeah people would always say oh and then you know the top guy in nxt wins the title they never they would never do that i mean or, or to be honest my favorite um invasion is a deep cut. It's a deep cut. It was back in the mid to kind of mid to late 2000s. Uh, I think around 2007, maybe it was. It was um, when CZW invaded Ring of Honor. Yes, I ha- I actually have heard of this. And um, it's in Daniel Bryan's book, actually, now that I remember it. Um, and I think he had to face um, Cassius Ono, uh, Chris Hero, because Chris Hero was like the big guy in, in CZW at the time. And uh, Danielson had to face him and you know Danielson wins but like yeah. it's it's always funny when I when I see something like that I mean sometimes it like does happen where the the, the person air quotes invading wins the match but I mean you think like the a recent example that I can think of kind of recent it was when uh, Suzuki came back to New Japan he mm-hmm. brought Suzuki going with him you know he'd been gone from the company for a while and he was kind of like an invading type deal. He challenged Okada during Okada's legend. I think he might have been Okada's first opponent from the start of the legendary long reign. Um, and he loses, obviously. Yeah. But like, if you think about it, the person just loses always. Yeah. The invader, because that's how it's yeah. supposed to be. That's how it works, right? And no, I'm not counting the WWE invasion angle. They owned everybody at that point. They were all employees. If everyone is owned by the same company, it doesn't count. Although I will say, when NXT, the Survivor Series from a couple years back, that whole NXT thing, that's pretty fucking cool. Watching that again, the fact that they fumbled Keith Lee is mind-melting. I'm still pissed about Walter. How... Do you oh, that too? Holy shit! Still Anyways, pissed about Walter. Like our 60 last seconds. match. Our last match is the 2001 G1 Climax Final. It is, of course, Kajimoto against previously mentioned Yuji Nagata. Okay. For those who don't know, who is Yuji Nagata? Uh, Yuji Nagata was one of the the big three. Like how I mentioned in previous New Japan episodes, there's there's a th- there's a triumvirate basically in New Japan. Yeah. Um, there there was a triumvirate. Uh, which was um, Shinsuke Nakamura, yep. uh, Tanahashi, and um, why am I blanking on the last one? We literally did him on this podcast. Shibata, Shibata. Shibata. Um, those that was the the trio that was supposed to be like the best thing. Um, we we covered that in, in the Shibata episode, the Tanahashi episode, that old deal. Right before that, the generation before that, Yuji Nagata was one of the big three. Um, he he really was like I, I would say he was the biggest of the big three. I think he was in the Tanahashi episode. I, I believe we covered uh, their Wrestle Kingdom match that they had um, from from late two thousands. He's he was a big name. He he really was. He was one of their big stars. But as he aged out, it really did screw New Japan over because they really did not have that next generation planned out until you know obviously the big superstar that is Hiroshi Tanahashi takes off. They get business back together and New Japan is what New Japan is. So we have the finals of the 2001 tournament. Uh, and again, Mudo versus Nagata. This is a match that I feel like is right up your alley because a lot of the beginning seems MMA inspired. This is also yeah. right around the time that Antonio Inoki took over New Japan and started really pushing MMA style, more legitimacy, 
a lot more ground and pound, like rolling submission shit like that. Yeah, Tawai Nakamura was supposed to be the big of that triumvirate. Yeah. It's, and so, like, this is the, right around the time that Enochiism is really starting to take hold in New Japan. And so that's the whole beginnings of the match. Yeah, it's a very, it's a solid technical start. And then, you know, uh, we get they, we get them trading, like, arm locks, you know, yeah. leg locks, all that kind of stuff for a very extended period of time. Um, Nagata then gets a guillotine sink the fuck in. Um, and that's the first, really first exciting thing to happen. Seven minutes into the match. This yeah. was the second worst match. I really, th- I just did not like the Chono match, but this really would have been the worst if it wasn't for that Chono match. This one, yeah, I, I struggle with this one. Also, I think because we, we've established it before, like that's not my style. Like I'm not a big yeah. You didn't like Joe versus Kurt Angle. I just can't jive with that. I'm sure with like many other Joe versus Kurt matches, that just wasn't my vibe. That one wasn't it. You're not my vibe. Anyways, Mudo goes for a back, for his back elbow. Uh, Nagata catches him, drops him, puts him in a front face lock, transitions it into a cross face. Um, when when Mudo gets out of it, Nagata just starts kicking him in the hamstrings super fucking hard. I do like when offense is very practical. When they're like, <laughs> look, I'm going to take your legs. The best thing to do is just kick you repeatedly. Is that your, would, that, would that be your offense? Just, just kick. I would... People are like, oh, they told the story where they just focus on one one body part. I would do that. I would just be like, look, your <laughs> Same leg, spot over and over. Your right leg. Every I will headbutt you in the right leg. I don't give a shit. I will eat it. I will, I will bite spit it. I on that motherfucker. I will, I will. I will. I will rip it off. All right. <laughs> I'm winning. And then you just put on a you put on a single leg Boston crab, and that's your oh, finisher. Yeah. I finish by just repeatedly kicking you in the knee. Like Data Pride ha- or uh, Brian Anderson has the the, the elbows uh, yeah. from the from the crucifix. It's position. just me stepping on your leg repeatedly. Yours is just continuous stomps to the leg. Why does that man have one cleat on? Because I'm gonna turn your <laughs> I'm trying to turn your leg into mincemeat. All right. You you ever see the SpongeBob movie? No. What? I know. I was. This is maybe my, my I was never a SpongeBob kid. Oh no! I know. We need to divorce. I need a divorce. <laughs> I need a. I know you're engaged to be married to a lovely woman. Yes, love that woman. But you and I need to go to couples therapy. Right now <laughs> is this your first time in couples therapy? No, this is Patrick. All right, <laughs> let's let's go back to the match. We can work our own things out later. <laughs> Anyways, uh, oh god. Um, the so right kicks to the hamstrings. Mudo yeah. catches one of them, hits a dragon screw. Beautiful. Um, Nagata at one point here gets a triangle sleeper hold on. Yep, which looked pretty decent. It, um, it, was, Mudo, it was pretty good. Yeah. Mudo inevitably gets his advantage back. Hits a basement drop kick to the knee, and as I wrote here, and he's targeting that bitch now. Yep, because he wants to lock into figure four, which he does. Nagata's in it for a while. There are multiple points where Nagata is clearly within arm's reach of the ropes. He said, no, I can't do it. He, got, he all of a sudden became, he had the T-Rex arm problem where he's like, oh, no, I can't reach. No, no, no. It's because he, he did two sit-ups and he couldn't get up. Ah, uh, yes. So I, it, it's a struggle to get out of bed. I'm not that out of shape, people. I went to the gym today. So I, I did too. I, uh, I, was, I was pretty upset today. So I, I took it out on the, on the back squat. The boy got all the way up to... 280 
or sorry, 295. There you go. I am just doing it so I'm active and can lose the weight. I got a wedding to be in. Love that my for own, you. My own. Yeah. Hey, hey. Well, what are we, like nine months from now? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Soon. Do I need uh, to put so- a, a workout plan for you? <laughs> no, like no, Kanye. I'll, I'll be fine. I just listen to Kanye's workout plan. And I'm fine. <laughs> Get me a, a, an NBA player, at least to do with a car. All right. Middle rope. Uh, missile dropkicks to the knee by Mudo yeah. because who else? Who else would do this? It's just a psychopath. It goes to the figure four again and gets kicked in the head by Nagata, which yeah. I really liked. Um, Nagata, Nagata gets up from a figure four attempt, um, just puts on a heel hook. That's what yeah. I called it. It's not really a heel hook. It looked kind of it's like the a, closest approximation I have. It honestly just looked like a nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think he was actually doing any sort of submission whatsoever. Muto reaches the ropes in a much more reasonable time frame. Vicious kicks to the hamstring by Nagata now. This man is trying to make mixed meat of his fucking hand. That's right. Um, Muto hits a Frankensteiner, yep. which for some reason auto-corrected to Frankensteiner. Close enough. Love that. Um, top rope, Frankensteiner by Muto for... Or sorry, uh, Nagata puts on a figure four. Yeah. Muno eventually gets out, hits a top rope Frankensteiner for a near fall. Yeah. Sidebreaker moonsault for a near fall. Yeah. Muno immediately, as soon as the tap out or the, the kick out happens, armbar. Yeah. No WWE stun faces here. Armbar time. Yes. And then we get just one of the best spots of this entire episode. Okay. Go, go into it. Muno misses a step up knee in the corner. Yeah. Eats a German suplex. Then a yeah. pump handle suplex. Yeah. Which I always forget what it's called. This is energy pump handle slam. No sells it because he is a psychopath, shining wizard that is legitimately one of the cleanest shining wizards I have ever seen in my life. Bring it back to that German suplex really quick. When he misses the high knee in the corner, his leg gets stuck on the ropes. So he's already elevated for the German. Like his feet are on the first and second ropes. So when Nagata picks him up, he just launches him so far. Yeah, so fucking far. The Shining Wizard was beautiful. He gets a little greedy or he doesn't think he's going to put Nagata away. So he goes for a second Shining Wizard and it is caught by Nagata because he knows it's coming. Turned into a cross face and Mudo taps. That's how the match ends. It was, it was, listen, it, it's a cross face at first, transitions into an SDF. Yeah. Homie was in pain. You know, I'm not going to yeah. tell, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, if someone like 25 minutes into a, a very rough match was like putting me in a cross face, I'd fucking tap too. I don't give a shit. My nose hurts, buddy. So Nagata wins the 2001 G1 Climax. At the beginning of January, so we've covered all five matches, but this isn't the end of, of uh, Kajimuto's story. January 11, 2002, following the end of the year-long you know, planned promotional angle between New Japan and All Japan, Muto shocked the world by leaving New Japan for All Japan to be a full-time competitor and took two wrestlers with him, Satoshi Kojima and Kendo Kashin, with him. And then became oh, Kojima's the president- a big name, too. And then became the president of All Japan from 2002 until 2013, helping run the company. And then, you know, he would step down. He's still wrestling to this day, which we talked about. So Kaiji Muto, one of the biggest names in wrestling history. Honestly, if we knew more, we probably could have done at least a two-parter on him. This is only a very cursory overview of his career. We yeah. missed some big things. We missed we some might, big hey, moments. 
you know what? After a hundred, who knows what we'll do? We might we might circle back on a couple of wrestlers. We might have I mean, to circle back on some people. There's a lot more Eddie Guerrero out there. That's true, and that was episode one. Yeah. But for a cursory overview, Javier, what do you think going back and watching all these matches? I had fun, honestly. Yeah. Like that Steiner's match was so much fun. The ten room match was a train wreck, um, and you know I really enjoyed the Vader match. I enjoyed the the the. It just all the stuff that he did was just so fun. I mean, the Chono match was what it was. I enjoyed the vibes of that match. I will yeah. say. I think the second half, like the back half of the Chono match, is really good. Yeah, it's just the it just takes the, so pa- long. the, pa- the pacing in the beginning is is a struggle. Yeah, like this match. I mean, yeah, nothing really exciting or happened, and for the first seven minutes, literally seven minutes, that's when the guillotine comes on. But like, you know. I think there's probably lots more we could have d- dived into in terms of the Great Muda character. Maybe there's a whole episode in just looking at the Great Muda character or at least just seeing what his run was like after he became president of All Japan because he was there oh, wrestling no full-time for a while. Like, he, his run in All Japan, you know, he was doing a lot there from up until 2013. Like, he was a tag champion. He was world champion. Uh, he had lots of title reigns. He still made appearances in New Japan, even though I'm yeah. sure there was bad blood, still made appearances in New Japan like in the mid 2000s, in the 2010s, all the way up until 2020. So you know, and again, he's still doing. He's in pro wrestling. No one now, infrequently. You know, I think. I mean, I think they just announced a match for Wrestle Kingdom, uh, where it's like three Noah guys versus three New Japan guys. Kent is one of the Noah people, which is like shocking. It's like it's like the ultimate trail. It's why he's the greatest heel. Um, and I think Kaiji Muto might be one of the Noah people representing in that match. That would be crazy. Don't uh, you know? Are you looking this up? I know you're. I, I am looking it up right now. Yeah, it's 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 a they they think they just announced it either yesterday or today. Um, it, yeah, one of those. I know Kent is on the Noah side. I did not get a look at who's on the New Japan side, but I think Kaiji Muto might be on the Noah side. And if that's the case, New Japan, or we we might just have to watch Wrestle Kingdom. You know, it might just have that. I, f- I figured to be watching Wrestle Kingdom regardless. I always do. Um, I, I set my. I know the way that the timing works, so I kind of just set my alarm to watch like the back, the back half of of the wrestling stuff because I don't really care about the first few matches. So the only spot I see him, uh, yeah. So there's there's day three now of the yeah, of the match. There's a third day now, and it is going to be. Okada and Tanahashi versus Kaiji Muto and Ka- uh, Keito Kiyomiya. That's a lot of good stuff in one match. Oh boy. Wow. Put my name down right now. That is that is going to be really really good. Okay. Uh, I love watching these matches. I thought it was great. Kaiji Muto, another another name I had heard of. So to be able to go back and actually see these matches, I recommend if you are unfamiliar, these are a good starting point. Yeah. You can start with the Steiner match and the Vader match to get a taste of like what he was like as a young as a younger guy. But if you're gonna watch one of the two older matches, the Tenru match is a really good, yeah. a really good match. So uh, fun. With Honest, and watching on one point two five speed. Um because honestly, the I mean, you don't need commentary, and it just it just helps with the pacing of it more. I yeah, feel that's like. also that's also our trade secret is we watch pretty much every match on one point two five speed. Uh, it depends. Sometimes if it's a match that's really you know, if I'm tired, dude, I'm watching that shit on one and a half. I don't care. 
<laughs> I, I don't watch a one and a half. I get too distracted by other things around me. It's always 1.25 with the exception of if it's a, if it's like a, we throw a random squash in or something or a short match. I'll usually watch that. on If it's under 10, I'll watch it on one. I'm excited for the ultimate warrior episode. I we're never doing that. That's been discussed. That is going to be um, right there with Hulk Hogan. Javi, where can people find you on social media? I'm on the Twitter machine at JMLO sports. No one follows me. What the fuck? <laughs> I say this every week and no one ever follows me. Someone give him a pity follow. Someone please. give me a pity follow. I will even send you a DM saying hi. I don't care. Follow, follow me on Twitter at it seven gomes. I T S E V A N G O M E S. Follow the podcast, most importantly, on Twitter at Crossbody of Work. And as we talked about, next Saturday is Christmas Day. So we're not going to be dropping an episode on Christmas Day. We'll be busy. We've got things to do. I've got I've basketball. Got, I've got presents to deliver. I'm an elf. I don't joke. care enough about my family for that. Also, we're Hispanic and celebrate on the 24th. Hey, my family used to celebrate on the 24th. But now we are I immigrants. Live, <laughs> I live on my own. Well, I don't live on my own. I, my fiance and her family do it in the Christmas morning. So you know what? I'm back to being six again. Christmas morning it is. I get to eat the cookies now. Awesome. Oh. Yeah, it's the best. Um, so instead, we will be dropping the Christmas special. Yes, the first ever Crossbody of Work holiday special is dropping on the 23rd so thursday you'll get a new episode if you subscribe so subscribe to the podcast have it come right to you wherever you listen that way you don't have to fuss around and be like oh when's the new, where do i find it just comes right to you on the 23rd yes yes that is going to wrap up this week's episode javier any final words for the people honestly like i would say this week on life advice with javier try something new Try something, Try something new. new this week. Or, or, or by the end of this year, I want everyone listening to this to try something new. Try something new. My first time really going through and watching uh, Great, Mo- great Muda slash KG Mudo matches, I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. Now I kind of want to watch more. I'm definitely going to watch the uh, the tag match at, new- at Wrestle Kingdom. That's a next year endeavor. But today, or the last couple of days, guess what? I did something new. I want everyone listening to this, go do something new, whatever it may be. Not crack. Or whatever it may be, do something new. <laughs> Within limits, do something new. Something That's reasonably new. You know, reasonable. Do something yeah. reasonable Push that is new. out of your comfort zone a little bit. And then, you know what? For the holidays, get comfy. Honestly, right? it's, it's even if comfy. it is in your comfort zone, I don't care. Let's say, hey, uh, you know those really cool sugar cookies that you can find that's just the cookie and then the little tiny circle of frosting on top of it? Yeah, yeah. Let's say you only ever get the, the red or the blue one. And then you notice a green one over there. Get the green one. Go green. You know? Go green. Save the planet, baby. It's something new. It's going to taste the exact same, but it's something new. <laughs> it's like when I learned that all Fruit Loops taste the same and I panicked. It's the worst. They all taste the same. There's no change. They're just all different colors. And all right. And the podcast. It's end it after that stunning revelation. We'll see you shorter. We'll see you on Thursday for the Christmas special, the holiday special. We'll see you then. Bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.